Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Thursday, August 10th. We are here live. It is a free-for-all. The schedule for today, this first hour, anything goes. Phone lines are open right now. Jump in and join us. 855-950-3835. I've got some things I can talk about. A couple lessons, maybe. Uh, and we'll get to your calls and questions. Then we'll head on into rolling toe for an hour here, and then we'll jump over to Twitter for another free-for-all in a Twitter X space, whatever we're calling it these days. I don't know how long it's going to take us to stop saying Twitter and tweets, and I don't know we're supposed to say X, and I'm not sure yet. So we'll see. Um... I think I just confirmed um, as I'm listening to myself, I sound just about the same way I feel this morning. It's not that bad, but I can tell I sound a little uh, nasally. There's a reason for that. So I have, um, yeah, I should just start talking about this now. If you want to jump in, pick up the phone, join me. I don't think I've done one this year, but last year... I did a segment, not really a segment, maybe just an open that I would call Lessons from the Garden. And I haven't done one of those in a while. So I've been thinking about one and I have one. But then I also learned a lesson yesterday, maybe a big lesson for me, on from the water. So now I have two segments, Lessons from the Garden and Lessons from the Water. And I think for health-wise reasons, I've picked two very good hobbies. It seems to me like the muscles I need to work out on the water are completely different from what happens in the garden. And I really get a good workout doing both. Um, But I really, I think I'll do the lesson from the water because this is kind of a big one for me. So I really, it's probably an ego thing or something. I've said that I'm really frustrated with this whole foil. It's not so much the wing part of wing foiling, it's the foil part of wing foiling that's making me a little crazy. And I'm just so stuck on do it myself, teach myself. I guess I've just always been this way. And I wanted this to be easier. I thought it was going to be easier because of how many things I've done like this my whole life. And I've always been really good at it. And I thought, okay, once I figure out the wing part of this, I'll be off and running. The rest is just like standing on something in the water. I've been doing that since I was a kid. So I played around with the wing on the land just to make sure when I get down in the water, I'm going to be good at this. And this foil thing is just making me crazy. I want to learn it. I don't want to, I don't want it to take, you know, eight tries or eight days out on the water. I just want to get out there and learn it. So I've got all these cool apps that give me up to the minute wind conditions everywhere in the gorge. The apps are just for this, for windsurfing and wind sports and So I'm obsessed over the apps and every day I'm looking at it and watching the predictions and am I going to go today? And if it isn't perfect, I don't go because I keep thinking I just I want a perfect day and one more day out on the water and I'll just get this. I know I will. So Lisa's kind of been quietly in the background saying, why don't you just go? 
you know, I'm obsessing over the apps and talking about the wind and the directions and, well, you don't understand. It's, and she, every once in a while she'll say, why don't you just go? So yesterday she just, I wasn't even thinking about going because the wind predictions were goofy. And when I got off the air yesterday, she said, why don't you go out on the water today? And I said, no, I can't go because, and I had all these reasons. And she kind of just said, why don't you just go? And I thought, you're right. Why don't I just go? So I did. And I had a great day out on the water. And it turned out to be some really good wind predict or some really good wind conditions, even though nobody was predicting that. And in fact, at one point in this area where kind of all the beginners spend all their time, we call it the hook. I was the only one out there. Usually there's like 30 people out there and you're kind of dodging each other. And one point I looked around, I was the only one out there because the conditions had kind of died down a little bit and everybody thought, all right, it's late in the day. Nobody was predicting any good wind. And I had been kind of doing my own thing and I looked around and nobody else was out and the wind was pretty dead. And I thought, well, I guess I'm just done. I might as well go in. Then I thought, you know, why am I wasting all this time just waiting for the perfect wind. I'm just sitting out here in the water. And a lot of times I won't even sit in the water. I should. I'll, I'll go back to a place where maybe the water's chest deep and so I can stand there and wait for the perfect wind. That's, why am I waiting for everything to be perfect? Because I don't want to take 200 tries to do this. I want to get it in 100 it's kind of, I guess, my mindset on this. But it's really working against me because I'm just not getting enough tries. So I started changing. I said, no, I'm not going to go in. I've still got daylight. I'm already out here. It's a beautiful day. What if I just learn how to stand on the board without even moving? You know, what if I could get that good? And that's not an easy thing to do. And the smaller your board is, the harder that is. And I have a fairly small board for a beginner. And as soon as I can, I'll go to a smaller and smaller board. So I thought, what if I could really just get that good at balancing on the board? And if I get that good at just standing there in the water without moving, what if I could learn how to start walking around on the board and shifting my feet like I know I'm going to have to learn at some point? Why don't I just learn that while I'm sitting here? And if the wind picks up, then I'll be here and I'll get a couple more shots. And so I started playing around with that. But it happened because of something else I had heard. When we were out there in the water and there was a bunch of people still when I got out there yesterday, there are instructors out there uh, working with people. So you can hire somebody and they come out in the water and work with you. Some of them have uh, headsets in the helmet so they can talk to you even when you're, you know, 100 yards away from them. And I was just, we were, everybody was kind of waiting for the wind to pick up. And I was listening to him give somebody some advice. And it was just two simple things. And it clicked with me. And I thought, well, that's exactly what I'm doing. And he's explaining why it's so wrong and why you're still struggling. And I thought, yep, that's exactly what I'm doing. So the big lesson here, I learned a lot of things. I learned, you know, I should be using my time better out there on the water, but the really big lesson, then I did learn a couple tips and tricks on the, 
the board and the wing that's going to help. But the big lesson is I really suck at taking advice. I wonder why that is. I give advice all day long. You would think I would be a little better at taking it. I don't know. I have this thing about just, I just need to learn this myself, which is fine, but that doesn't mean I can't take some advice. You know, why not just go? That's what Lisa kept saying. Why not just go? So I did, and I had a blast, and I learned a lot. So that is my lesson from the water today. I think I'm going to go through my lesson from the garden, too. Maybe I'll save that for tomorrow. Yeah, I think I'll save that one for tomorrow. Uh, Jump in and join me. If you've got a lesson about anything, if you've got a question, if you've got some advice, I guess I'll start taking more advice. I should get better at that. It was just kind of funny. A simple thing. Why not just go? And then just a couple little tips on the way I was standing on the board and the way my shoulders were. And that, yep, that's exactly what I've been fighting with. Really, what I should do is now that I'm at the point that I'm at, I really, there are instructors right there every day. I should really just pay somebody and say, just work with me until I get up on the foil. That's probably what I should. Now, I, here's what I decided to do based on the lesson that I learned, I decided I'm going to go to the other extreme. Of course I am. What else would I do? Instead of waiting for the perfect conditions, I am not even going to look outside to see if the wind is blowing. I'm not going to open any apps. I am just going down to the water every day, starting today. Whenever I decide to quit working today, I'm just going to the water. If there's no wind, I'm going to practice standing on my board and walking on my board and hell, doing headstands on my board. And if there's wind, then I'll ride it. So I'm just I'm going to go to the other end of the spectrum. What else would I do? Uh, let's go to the phones. We're going to go to New Jersey. Todd, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin, how are you? Hey, before I go to my two questions, uh, just I'm a surfer from Costa Rica. I never foiled before, but based on what you just said about your foil, I've seen guys using the foil board without the uh, the whim of the, uh, the, the the sail. Right. Just by pumping the legs up and down. Right. Do you do the same thing on your board? You, I've, I've seen people on the river doing it, yes. I've seen a couple different things. You'll see they'll use the wing to get up on the foil. They'll play around, and once in a while, they'll just let the foil uh, plane out behind them. You just hold it in your hand behind you, and it does nothing. And then at, and they'll be up on the foil if they're waves. You can use the wave energy to keep moving. And if they kind of run out of energy, I'll see them. They can just pump the foil and get moving again. And then I've even seen guys playing around with, and I know this sounds crazy, but I watched this guy one day. He set his board. We were on, the shore was just all rocks, and there were just a couple paths to follow to get down into the water. And he was over where the rocks were, like, 10 feet above the water and he was setting his board it was probably about 6 feet he was setting his board 
in the water, angled against, I don't even remember how he was doing it, and jumping to land on the board and then pumping. And he was just going to go with no wing, no nothing. And he was starting to get it. So I guess if you can just get enough energy going, you can keep it going without a wing. Exactly. That's that's where I'm going. Because when I go surfing down in Costa Rica, that's what they do. They use a paddle, uh, paddle uh, like uh, for a paddle board. You know, they once they get enough the speed, they they don't use the paddle anymore, and they just they just use the energy of the wave. And, uh, and, and use their feet by pumping their feet up and down. And once they get uh, enough speed, then you got control of uh, the foil uh, board. Yeah, so... I think um, on my, from my point of view, that's what you should do. Learn how to uh, play with the board without the sail, because I think you're, you're, you're going too hard on yourself. Yeah. You're trying to learn two <laughs> things at the same time. Well, one of the, I mean, my, the most common reason I crash is because the wind, I catch the wind wrong in the wing and it just pulls me right off the board. So you're right. I'm trying, I don't have the wing right into the wind and I'm thinking more about my feet and my weight on the board and then I get pulled off. So there's a lot going on. And I think all of my instincts from water skiing, slalom skiing, wakeboarding. I think they're all backwards from this foil. It, it feels like I'm fighting my instincts, like I'm doing the, the exact wrong thing. Like when I should be on my forward foot, I'm on my back foot. It just, it's really frustrating. One of the things I'm, I'm learning that is just insane, and it's, it's why this is even possible, that we can talk about just pumping and using energy from even just little waves, and we can actually keep this board and all of our weight out of the water. Think about how much force that takes. And we can still move around. And I kept thinking, what, why is this possible all of a sudden? And this foil thing is taking over everything in the water, ferries, boats, um, the World Cup, you know, yacht racing stuff. And they're setting all kinds of crazy records. Here's what it is. And this is one of the lessons I'm fighting against in all the ways I've done things on the water. It's either been behind a boat or in a cable system that is very consistent. It's nice and steady. The pole stays the same. Now I'm dealing with these crazy winds that are constantly changing. And that that's, but here's the other thing, and I just realized this yesterday. As a surfer, you get this. You understand how much drag there is on your board, right? And the bigger the board, the more the drag. But we need a big board to get started because all we're using is some wind power. So this board is just dragging and dragging and dragging. And you're, I don't have boots on, so I'm trying not to get pulled off the board. And I'm fighting this wind. And all of a sudden, and it, it happens without you even realizing it, you come up on the foil. And this is where everything goes to hell. And I realized what's happening. You go from, it feels like I go from maybe about 12 miles an hour dragging through the water to about 30 miles an hour in a half a second when I come up on that foil. 
and it's that transition that I can't adjust to, but it tells me what's happening. That foil, they have got the water resistance down to almost nothing. Yes, you gotta get it up there, yep. Yep. Yeah, you gotta learn how to pump up with your feet and your body to get it above the water enough so you can gain speed on it. Yeah, the, the other trick when there's not enough wind, and if you watch them do it, they do it at the same time. They'll pump the board with their legs and they'll scoop the wind yeah. with the wing. Yeah. And you have to do it at the same time. So it's kind of like walking and chewing gum, and sometimes I'm challenged that way. Yeah. All right, um, here's my first thought. My two, my two part questions are basically the same thing. So Kevin, how can I, how do I go about um, to check myself in my home for mold? Um, there are several good mold testing kits and I should know the name of them because I have one still in the house here. Maybe Lisa is listening and she'll send me the name. We, I, we've used a couple. I've, I've tested um, the RV for mold a couple times because we had mold in the ceiling confirmed. And I even think I got a mold contamination from when I worked on it because, um, you know, just put on a simple paper mask and I was in there all day tearing out, you know, molding, uh, sealing insulation. And um, so then I would test it and then I would wait and I would retest it. So I tried a couple different companies and then um, just least recently, Lisa wanted to test the house. So she did some research and the company she found was really, really good. So um, if I don't, get it here from her in a little bit, I will remember to post it up on the tribes and I'll try to put a note so I talk about it tomorrow. The other reason um, I sound so nasally today was another lesson from the water. Um, for some reason, every time I fall, I, I'm doing either one of two things. I'm either landing in my wing which is just not a good way to land. And I almost blew out a knee yesterday doing that. Or for some reason, I must be landing in a way I get pure water injection right up my nose. And I can I can feel I'm really nasally today. Uh, yeah, I think you should forget about the wind for a while and just try to uh, uh, maneuver the board by itself, even with the paddle. So you can get the hang of it, of how to uh, stand up on the board, how to use the weights on the, on the river, even the currents of the river. If, if you're in the river, if you go down the river, the, the current is going to go somewhere. So if you, go, if you use that current, it's going to give you enough speed and power for you to uh, foil on that. Well... Yes and no, because our best days and most of our days in the summer, the reason the wind sports are so good here, not only do we have crazy winds, but they oppose the river. So the river is flowing towards the west and the wind is blowing towards the east. And that's why we get such crazy good conditions. But it, yeah, you don't get you. You are much more likely to get blown with the wind not not taken down with the current. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, and how about myself? Uh, do I do a blood test or a urine test 
for mold uh, to, to test it in myself. The there are several different ways to test this. Um, I believe blood is the most accurate on some of these. Um, and there are several different things we can test for. We can test for molds, we can test for heavy metals, we can test for environmental toxins. Were you listening to the show yesterday by chance? Yeah, that's where I got uh, my uh, my wondering from. Yeah, yeah. Yes, sir. So always, that, I'm always, I'm always there. Yeah, good. That's um, that's just a, I I would really recommend work with Dr. Wolfson on his process for testing. It's just it's the most complete. And it to me, if we get to the point where we think we need that kind of testing then we might as well just do it right the first time, get it all done, and then you can analyze it all together. Yeah, I'm gonna go for it, because I've been living in the basement for 15 years, and it's pretty, the humidity there is pretty high. I've been using humidifiers and plants uh, just to fight all that, but I, I bet you I have, uh, I got something. I'm a carnivore, you, I've been carnivore for two years. Good. Good. You know, when you look at a lot of people who have become, you know, the, the very well-known people in this health segment, uh, whether they're practitioners or, you know, they created products or, you know, people like Mark Sisson who created Primal Kitchen, many of them, in fact, it seems to me almost all of them, I've met a lot of them, I've interviewed a lot of them, I've had them on the show, read their books. Almost everyone, I, I'm trying to think of an exception and I can't think of one yet, came to this because they had health issues. And they had health issues that nobody was fixing. They were just getting worse. And some of these people were doctors when they started having the health issues. They couldn't figure it out. The medical system couldn't figure it out. And they, you know, turned to food and they got this figured out. That is just so common, and the one guy I will tell you, if, if you haven't read his books or if you don't follow what he does, um, Dave Asprey of Bulletproof, yeah, he really believes his biggest health issue his whole life has been mold. He is really, really big on the whole mold issue. It's why he created, he was really the first coffee on the planet that ever talked about being mold toxin free, that it was tested for mold toxins. Now I bet I could find 30 coffee brands at least that, that claim that and do that, but he was the first. So he's, he's really big on that oh, wow. whole mold toxin issue. Wow, look for, for his book. Are there symptoms with the, you know, that the, People have, uh, yeah, the, the, the problem is there are dozens of symptoms and they almost always look like something else. All right, I'm going to investigate. Uh, I'm going to get a hold of uh, Mr. Wilson. I might run into him in Costa Rica. <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right. All right, Mr. Kevin, that's all I have. Thank you very much. I'm going to try to find that book. And then I'll look uh, for the, the name of uh, that mold company on uh, later on on uh, the website. Okay, perfect. Thank you. You're welcome. Take care. All right.
We've got lines open. It is a free for all. We've got uh, we've got about thirty minutes left. So jump in and join me. Eight five five nine five zero three eight three five. I wonder if I sound as bad to everybody else as I do in my own head right now. Ooh, I almost dropped myself. Let's go to California. I need to wake up today. Don, welcome to the program. <laughs> hey, good, I, good uh, afternoon, Kevin. I need to wake uh, up, too. I uh, literally just rolled out of the sleeper so I can uh, catch it. <laughs> I'm almost thinking maybe I should go back to bed after this instead of trying to wake up. I don't know. <laughs> well, listen, Kevin, I, you know, I, last time we talked was on July 10th, and I had got to go up to um, the, the shops in Michigan and, and, and Pennsylvania and get my Christmas list going. Oh, nice. And on my fleet truck, you know. Remember, I remember I had that conversation with you, and I literally I did every, everything that uh, Bruce rec- recommended except for the uh, Murphy's oil soap cleaning the interior. But but literally, and, and well, and I say I didn't take I didn't I didn't spend the money yet on what Leroy recommended uh, on on the the sensors that could have on hand in case they wear yeah. out and you get a road call and. Uh, but, but I haven't done that part. But torsional damper, the OPS, ev- everything. I just nice. sent, I just sent Angie over, and she's going to forward it to you. She my couple of my invoices there from my from the two providers, and and Kevin, I'm I'm a uh, I'm not sure if if something I, I had I didn't fully understand the impact that that oil could have on your fuel mileage. I was going back through overnight when I was driving last night, listening to some of the archive programs. And you had a, you had a conversation with a caller about, about uh, putting on an OPS system a week or so ago and, and, and what he could do for mileage or maybe in, in, in using a synthetic, the service manager were the, were I had the diesel clean done recommended that I, I go with a, uh, full synthetic, and because our truck is a 680,000 mile truck, when we got it, we're up to about close to 735, 740 now. And um, he he recommended because team truck and high mileage. You, he said you may. He said you probably want to go with a full synthetic. It's not a lot more, and so I did. But I'm wondering if the weight that I've done has cost me some fuel mileage. Uh, I'm about a. It looks like just. I didn't do a screenshot before I had the work done, and, and since then, and I I haven't really went into the browser on a PC to the Gauges app and and altered the thirty, sixty, ninety, and looked at comparisons there. And I I said, I wonder if Kevin can just look at it right there on screen if I call in. And and Angie said she thinks you, you can do that. Um, and, and but I've lost about a mile or a mile and a half per gallon, and we're we're running pretty hard out here. And it just I was like. I don't. I don't know. I thought you could look at those two invoices and say, "Here's where this might have had an impact on you." Um, I got a the 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 oil that I ended up was with a T6 um, shell full synthetic. It's a five W forty. So okay. I don't know. Yeah, you know, we That's, we run a combination of every. So yeah, let's just talk about that whole issue, which could, because it's interesting. And when you say you know how much of an impact oil could have on fuel economy and. You know, this is another one of those lessons when we hear this this phrase, well, if if you really knew what you were talking about, if that really worked, the OEMs would be doing that. And it's just not true. It's never true. Uh, almost all of these innovations will at least be hutched on by the aftermarket first. We've been proving this, and this is another area. We, I, and, and Joel did it, you know, the people who really focused on fuel economy way back when in the 90s 
was one of the first people to put mobile oil, mobile one back then in a truck. Nobody was doing that. And people said I was an idiot to even think about putting synthetic oil in a diesel. What, what are you crazy? No, it, it makes sense. We're, we're trying to get the best fuel economy we can. And they went through every, oh, the seals won't hold up and you'll leak so much oil and all them. And you can't mix the two. What's, what's going to happen if you can't get a gallon of synthetic? It was all wrong. None of that turned out to be true. And we were on the right track. Synthetic has, a, has less resistance in the engine than conventional oils do. And that was the point. And even with less resistance, it has better protection. It, there's a double benefit to synthetic oil. And everybody knew that, but mm -hmm. for some reason, they were just freaked out about putting it in a diesel. And we started doing that really early. Uh -huh. And then we started talking about why can't we use 30 weight oils instead of 40 weight oils? Because the lighter weight the oil, the less resistance inside the engine, the less lost energy, the better fuel economy. But you could, there were no 30 weight oils that met the API classifications for these engines. So it was like we couldn't even experiment with it. Uh -huh. We talked about it all the time. And now, uh -huh. The preferred oil in almost every new engine, if not every new engine, is a 30-weight full synthetic. It's a recommended oil now. We've been working with that concept mm -hmm. for 20 years. Wow. Well, I, the, the service manager there had recommended the, the, the 5W40, so I don't know. I, I, I was really hoping to get what year was the, you know, what year is 150000 out of that oil. Pardon me? What year is this engine? It is a 2019 so, Cascadia. Do you have your owner's I, manual? When I set it up initially, I do, yes. Look in the owner's manual. Somewhere there is the recommended oil. And I would be curious, I don't think it's what this service manager recommended for you. Mike, I, I'm almost positive you're going to see that in the, 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 the oil that it recommends going to be a 30 weight, and it's possibly going to be a synthetic, or they'll at least talk about that. But I, I have a feeling he did not give you the recommendation that's right in the owner's manual. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what I'm wondering. And I don't know if all of it's... You know, uh, from that, that's why I wanted you to, you know, maybe to be able to see my two invoices from two shops there, you know, what, but, but I had all the, I don't, I'm calling them underpinnings done with, but with suspension to, to really feel good about wheel bearings and axles and fluids and everything underneath. And, and I, I shot you a picture of that. Um, and, and, and I thought, I wonder if the tightening down of bearings and stuff there might've no. caused a little, you know, it's a fleet truck. I got, I got 10.2 miles per gallon driving it to up, so, up to the first shop, you know? So here's, here's what's happening. I, I'm going to put your mind at ease. I don't, I'm not even going to look at the invoices because I know exactly what's happening. Okay. And okay. have you ever, do you hear, do you listen to the health show a lot? Uh, not as much as okay. uh, the, the mechanic shows yeah. and, the, and, the, so and just the open line shows. If you listen to the health enough, you eventually will hear me tell somebody, throw your damn scale away. Stop looking at the scale. Now, that might sound crazy mm -hmm. coming from somebody who's 
constantly pounds into your head, you have to know your fuel mileage. You have to know your fuel mileage. You have to work on your fuel mileage. But there's there's a point where we can work against ourselves, And it's that people will call me and they'll be, but oh my God, I gained three pounds since yesterday. And I'm like, who cares? Mm-hmm. You, you'll probably lose three pounds by tomorrow. It happens all the time. We have these big, crazy variations. It's like the stock market. You know, when, when I used to be a financial planner, it would make me crazy. People would call me, oh my God, did you see what happened to my portfolio yesterday? I, it went down. I'm, stop looking at it. I would have to, I, I, would, I, right. I would really counsel my people to stop getting their statement in the mail. I would tell them, don't do that. Just, just tell them, you can just check the box, tell them you don't want to mail it. We can save a couple trees. Stop looking at your statement every month. This is how the stock market works. Mm-hmm. It goes up, it goes down, it goes up, it goes down, it goes up. But if we look at it over the long history, it started down at the bottom left and it keeps going up. But you can't keep looking mm-hmm. at these little variations. We can't do it, it with our money. We can't do it with our health and our weight. And even on our fuel mileage, we can get too obsessive. You really only bobtailed this truck. And I've seen bobtail swings of three miles to the gallon. You know, I bobtailed one way and got 12 miles to the gallon and I went. No, no, no. I didn't bobtail it, Kevin. I I pulled my trailer so I wouldn't lose my trailer with Landstar. I thought you stay up under it. Did you say you bobtailed or no? Did no, you no, say I, dead it? No, 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 no. I, I, no, I, I deadheaded, but I, I kept my trailer under me. It was so empty, you got but, but, ten but, to you, empty. You know, I got ten empty, okay. and then you know I had the week before I went, was able to go up there. I got a nine, a he, nine four or nine two coming from California, South Carolina. So well, see, and and that's kind of you got the nine something, then it jumped way up to ten something, and you didn't call me in a panic empty, then. Yeah. Because it was going up. My point, though, is is well, no, I, we, we, just hold on. Don't let's not argue the details because this isn't about the details. It's about a mindset, right? So I I, okay. I want you to just take a step back, take a deep breath, and and don't try to justify each little detail because that's not the point here. The point is I I'm, okay. I, I want to help you get into a different mindset where we do hyper-focus on details sometimes. But we also have to have this, Mm -hmm. we have to understand the nature of this fuel mileage stuff. It is, I I will say, it is impossible to do with one truck, one driver in an over-the-road operation where it's a different load, it's a different terrain, it's different weather. You cannot accurately really prove some of these fuel mileage numbers we just can't we just have to be real about that well we have to depend on other testing we've got when i had three trucks um yesterday on the health show uh i think i talked about double no i was on the space yesterday double blind placebo controlled testing and i used to actually do that in fuel mileage testing I would have two trucks that mm-hmm. I made a change to. I would have a third truck that we wouldn't make the change to. And all three trucks did the same thing every day within 30 minutes of each other. 
They all ran the same route out and back. That allowed me to have two trucks to double verify what was happening and one truck to say, well, we didn't do anything. And here's what happened sometimes. We'd look at the two trucks that we made a change to and we'd go, oh, look, Mm -hmm. we're up three tenths. And that's kind of our minimum. You know, if we get three tenths, that's a real thing going on here. We think, we, look, we got three tenths. Well, guess what happened when we looked at mm-hmm. the other truck, what we call the control truck? Right. It was up three tenths. Well, wait a minute. Huh. How? We didn't do anything to this truck. That's why you have a control. That's why that's the, the gold standard in medical testing. If it's done right, it controls a lot of these variables and our mindset. That's all, with double blind, we're trying to make sure people aren't overthinking this and seeing results that aren't really there. That's the whole point of double blind mm-hmm. is to get rid of that placebo effect. So it's, mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. want you to be hyper-focused on details, but I want you to have this big picture mindset that says, I, I can't try to analyze every single time my fuel mileage changes from tank to tank. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, and I'm, and I'm, 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 yeah. And I don't, that's why I wanted you to see my, my, have my truck number there that Angie could send over to you to see, see what's kind of happening there is they were, and and I don't I didn't do here's look another, at them here's a, here, the thirty here, and sixty and not here's, here's another reason I know you want me to go look at that and I'm not going to that one reason is okay. I want you to focus Kevin, on something different me, but okay let me interrupt go ahead all right it's it's not well it's not a solo truck either we're we're running no. through a hundred hundred twenty gallons of fuel a day I mean we're well, running well, it hard okay uh, so well, it, well let me tell you what that does. So. I was just about to say there are so many variables that we have to look big picture to try to smooth out those variables. And what you just told me threw in another huge variable, two different drivers. Drivers can be 30% of fuel economy. Now, This becomes more difficult if we start watching tank to tank, because is it very likely that you ran out half the tank or three quarters and then she ran out 25 percent or 42 percent or so even that variable is variable when we're trying to track fuel mileage. So think of all the. The, the endless possibilities here that so when we say look at all this stuff, f- try to figure out what work they did. Well, even if I were to stare at it all day long, I might say, well, maybe the wheel bearings, but we I, we only see a couple percent. I mean, we know we want to get in there and get wheel bearings set perfect, but it, we, we know it's not that huge of an effect. It's a really tough thing to measure. It, and that's what all of this is. So well, not only are there a ton of variables in the whole picture of the truck, then there's the variable of all the work being done all at the same time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. What if I found two things in there that were possibly the problem? Which one? Or maybe it was a little bit of both, but how would we know? So it... it Again, well, I, 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 we, we hyper focus on details, but we, we can't 
let that that saying you can't you know see the forest for the trees that that's what that's what that saying was all about here's this is like right. a, a life lesson here so if I, you know i keep pushing back and it, there's a there's a big lesson here i've often talked about um People tend to be big picture thinkers or detail thinkers. And Lisa and I are at complete opposite ends of the spectrum. I am so big picture that it's she can't imagine what I'm imagining. She can't fathom that I could be imagining things like that sometimes. I can't figure out how she can be so good at all of this detail stuff and so much of it. She she manages, you know, 42 different vendors and she manages all of our employees and she's got lists and she's so organized and it it, it makes me insane to even think about it. But, but I make her crazy Which when generally, generally makes a good match is, is as long as you can make it work without driving each other crazy, um, <laughs> you know, and, and yeah. we're running a business together, um, a life together. So there are a lot of challenges there, but you're right. It, it's it's what's helped us succeed when when we can keep that working. Yeah. It's what helps us succeed. We, we've really built our company based on strengths and weaknesses and making sure we don't just hire people exactly like us. There's a tendency a lot of times to want to work with or hire people exactly like yourself. I seek out the opposite. And I don't, I hate conflict, Mm -hmm. but I I realize you, everything works better if you can get all those different approaches. So, Right. One of the other things I've talked about, and it's something very rare. And when I see it, the people are always really successful. And the best example of somebody I got to work very closely with for a long time and really experience this and watch it was um, Todd Amon. And Todd was the guy that started ATBS. And just the way he did it was incredible. Mm -hmm. And, And Todd approached me in the first couple of months that he started that business because it was the business I was in at the time, but doing accounting for owner operators. Mm -hmm. And I was giving a seminar. And in the seminar, I mentioned that I didn't, I was no longer going to take new tax clients or accounting clients. I had a big uh, base and I wanted to move into financial planning. And I had even become a certified financial planner. And um, Todd heard that and he approached me and he said, hey, I've, I've got an idea. He said, I'm just starting up the the same company that you run basically. And he said, I see you really aren't looking for new clients. He said, I'm sure you're going to get a lot of people that want to be your client, send them our way and we'll work with you. And we'll send our clients to you for financial planning and retirement planning. Perfect. That's awesome. Um, And I didn't know a whole lot about Todd Mm -hmm. at the time. Todd came third generation Mm -hmm. family run uh, trucking company out of Colorado, very well-known name. His grandfather started that and they sold it for like 34 million or something. Uh, Todd had lots and lots of money. Um, Him and two brothers were very, very active in the company from, you know, the time they were kids. Um, Even though Todd had all that money, he started this accounting company basically the same way I did. And I started it my way because I was broke. 
he started in his own basement. He did hire just one employee and he bought an old RV that kind of looked like the Partridge family bus. And he drove around to fleets and convinced them um, to, to, to offer his accounting services for their owner operators. And I just, I just thought that was incredible oh. to do it that way. He he could have thrown he could have thrown a million dollars at it if he wanted. I mean he he had that that those kind of resources, and he built that company from scratch as though he had no money. And when I actually sold my accounting company to him, you know, years and years after that, and we had become friends before that, and then we were friendly competitors again, and you know we would go to events together and hang out and. Um, finally, I just, I, they had been bugging me to come work for them for years. And finally I said, all right, look, you know, buy my company. I'll come out, I'll work with you. I'll see how it goes. I tried it for a year, realized no matter how sweet the deal was and boy, did they make me a sweet deal. Uh, I just can't work for somebody else. And, And they couldn't have made it better. I mean, they really said, do whatever you want. Act like you work for yourself. Just say you work for us is kind of what they were saying. And I, and that, that just didn't feel right. Right. I, I just I, I just couldn't. Yeah. So yeah. I, I just I, I had a lot of fun that year. It was the year they gave me a cabin up in the mountains to live in and uh, built me a, a studio in their office building. Uh, it was a fun year and a, a lot of fun doing it. But uh, I just realized I, I just can't work for somebody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I just wanted to run those things by you. Uh, you know, we're going to keep watching and evaluating and using all the tools we got to see. I was just wondering, you know, I'd, since I've read two or three posts in different places on Facebook about the oil and the, in the, you know, he had, the, he had, the service manager recommended that I, that I use a five W 30 following the, the cleaning that was done. Cause you know, that oil had to be changed. And the oil I went in there with had 70,000 miles on it. And it was a 30 weight Chevron 30 weight. Um, and, <laughs> because and, that's and what's I had, recommended. Uh, oil, I, 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 right. And the oil sample had come back low on base. Uh, I'd sampled it twice and, and it came back low on base. I sampled it once incorrectly the second time correctly. And then at the truck show over at the booth right there where Joel was at, the guy that was running that booth, I forget what his name is, but he came over with his calculator and he said, you need two quarts of base. I put that in there. I really probably could have got by with one quart of base, but it brought the oil sample back to perfection. Good. But again, that was on the 30 weight oil. So maybe I have to learn the lesson and have another service done to get back to the 30 weight. And, 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 and is it, what, what's a 30 weight full synthetic that you can find at the TA Petros or wherever on I, the shelf. That's a full synthetic. I think, you know? I think somebody just told me within the last couple of weeks that um, Rotella now has one. And I know that we, that, that was well, that, c- kind of an issue for a while. So I have to believe if Rotella has one, Rotella has the best distribution in the country. And uh, Shell Rotella, correct? correct. Is that yes. the same thing? Yep, Shell Rotella, right. Yeah, that, what, what, what's it, what, what they put into the truck is T6, 5W40. Right. Now, uh, I, I, I believe somebody wanna... told me that there is now a 530 T6. So the T6 is just okay. telling you that it's, it's really, that's their designation for full synthetic. Okay. So, okay. So it can be different weights. Correct. But with so the T6, T6 number. is right. Okay. Is, is telling you, 
that it's a full synthetic, but then you also have to check the weight. And I believe somebody just, and the way they said it was they haven't had one and now they do. So, you know, this goes back, okay. I, I forget, I think it was around 2016 or 2017 when they were bringing out the new API classification. And the API, it's a bunch of letters and numbers and they don't make any sense, but it whatever that one is at the time, that tells you if an oil can be put in your engine or not. So you, you don't have to try to okay. memorize things like, well, it can be a 30 weight or it can't be a 30 weight or it can be this. You, you just look at the back of a bottle and if it meets that, that number and letter combination, you can use that oil in that engine. It's a way to simplify all gotcha. of that confusing stuff. I had been following that for years. That that would change maybe once every decade or so. And then in 16 or 17, Chevron contacted me and said, we're putting together a campaign to try to educate people about the API. And I said, oh, okay. I said, why? Nobody's ever done that before. Doesn't seem to be a big issue. And they said, well, you're right, but it's going to be because... For the first time ever now, there's going to be two APIs in the industry. The engines had changed mm -hmm. so much that the new oils that they were making specifically for those new engines, they didn't believe would offer the proper protection on the older engines. So they had to, to come up with right. two API classifications, which has really confused a lot of people, including service managers. So they hired me and I went around to truck shows and, and just did seminars on trying to help people understand why we had two and what it meant. Now, to make it even more confusing, they're paying me to kind of give the official answer, which is you shouldn't use these new oils in these old engines. That's why they have the two APIs. Okay, I'll, I'll say that because I know that's what's in the book and that's what even the OEMs recommend. I, I get that. So it's not like you're paying me to say something I don't believe. I believe that you're right. right. The OEMs say this. Everybody says this. And I even warned them ahead of time. I said, later on in that same day, I may be up on that same stage talking about using these oils in older engines to get better fuel economy. And, and we know we might be taking a risk, but that's what we do. That's how we prove these things. That's how we learn. We, we have to make mistakes. We don't know where the limit is mm -hmm. unless we break the limit. I mean, I really couldn't tell mm -hmm. you what mm -hmm. the lightest weight oil we could get away with on an engine is unless we decided to run one until we toasted it. You know, what if we tried mm -hmm. a, a mm -hmm. 20 weight oil? Well, what would happen? Well, it would probably burn some oil, but would it run? Well, right. of course it would run. How long would it run? I don't know. Would it only right. go 800,000 miles instead of a million? <laughs> See how hard some of this stuff would be to prove? Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'm just going to keep on watching it then and, and tracking it and, and, and see if, if we don't, as it, as it continues to break in a little bit, every, all the new components yeah. and everything break in a little bit, see, start coming up. Um, and, and then, and then I'll maybe 
look at going back to a 30, just a 30 weight, try to find that full synthetic. I wanted to find something where being down in Atlanta, you know, I wasn't going to be able to get my services done and, and, and up in that area. And I wanted to be where I could go to TA Petro and, yeah. and, and, and get my, yeah. uh, you, you know, it, get the truck service the way it needed it. You know, Rotella kind of gets kicked around because it's the number one oil always has been. So a lot of times any company that makes it to the top all of a sudden becomes evil somehow. Oh, Rotella, that cheap ass mm-hmm. crap. Oh, really? No, it's the opposite. This is a really, really good oil, shockingly good oil, because I used to kind of have that same attitude because I had heard it so often. I didn't, Other than hearing yeah. it, I didn't have any proof. Well, once I started to understand oils and started looking at it, I'm like, I, I'm not sure. I, I've said many times I, I've been approached by oil companies. I will not partner with one. And the reason is, is I can't come up with a good enough reason why I would pick one over another. So, so why would I... Mm-hmm. I, why would I partner one it, it, with one and then be expected to kind of only really talk about that one? Well, but I, I don't want to right. because I can't find one good enough or different enough that it would stand out. I, I'm sure I could run Shell Rotella all day long. I could run Delvac and be just fine. I could go get a high-end boutique oil like Royal Purple and, and rave about it. I used to because I thought it was really good. And then I, I kind of had to ask myself that question, yeah. why? Why do you think this? What, Jim where, Fowler, where's the proof? Jim Fowler, Jim Fowler told me, Jim Fowler told me your story about that at the truck show. Yeah. <laughs> he said, Kevin used to run it, and then he's like, it ain't really doing me anything, so yeah. he, he got off of it. My son's it, really big into Royal Purple, and so we it, had that conversation. It, well, it was a great oil, but could I really prove that yeah. it was better? Well, we got some better fuel economy, but... It, we went from standard to synthetic, so there were some other changes at the same time. I can also say this. It's really pretty. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> Which really, it's right up, there, right up there with nice nice chrome helping your fuel right, right, exactly. But but I had to be honest with myself after a while and say, <laughs> you know, I keep saying this oil's really better, and, and I've convinced myself that it is. But, but did I ever really stop to say why and have I really proven it? Or is it just as good as any other full synthetic? And, and then um, yeah. I, I tried Schaefer for a year and, and with, a, with an idea that maybe I would partner with Schaefer. They approached me. Great oil, great company. Loved the people. I, I think it's an amazing company. Royal Purple was the same. Royal Purple was the guy that owned it was my business partner in my accounting company. I mean, wow. that's yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's I mean, that's how much I believed in that company. I I, I approached the the guy who owned it and um, he was a CPA and I, I really wanted somebody um, with those kind of credentials on the back end, if I was going to grow that idea. Uh, so I, I partnered with him. The guy was a, a brilliant businessman. And I kind of convinced myself that this was such a great oil. And it was. Just uh, it, There's a lot of great oils, though, and I, I can't figure out how to say, yeah, this one is absolutely better than that one. So I just decided, it, because yeah. of that, I'm just not going to partner with anybody on this one. Right, right, right. Well, 
Kevin, thank you for the for for the guidance. I'll just try to relax with it and not get too lost in the details. But uh, also, you know, I'll just keep tracking it and and it, and uh, maybe give you a call back and 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 look at it in a few more weeks. It's trying to find that weird balance, and like I said, it's it's what I think made Todd Amen so successful. He's one of the few people I know. I don't even know if I got to the point telling that story. Is um, one of the few people I know that. Are he can see the big picture so farther out even than I can. And when I talk to him, I'm just, you know, almost awed by his vision. Um, and, and he thinks like I do in, in that mode, really big picture and more out into the future and vision. Um, but mm-hmm. then I've, I've watched him work down to the tiniest little detail about everything in his business. And I think, how does he balance all that and do both? I know people who are really good at either one, you know, very few people who are good at both. And I think the better we can get, mm-hmm. if we can, um, at, at working at our weakness without mm-hmm. obsessing over it. You know, I know I need to get a little better at detail stuff, but but I can't obsess over it because I'll lose the magic of my big picture thinking. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you know, well, you, that's, you, you, that's you, definitely you, something I gotta always work on. I, I do too, and and trying to find that balance. I can get lost in my big picture thinking all day long. Uh, but once in a while, I gotta, I gotta and, and, at least try to think about the details. And and I can get lost in the details and lose sight of the big picture if I'm not cognizant right. of it. You know, like this is really, really important because I, I love the the details and geeking out on the spreadsheets. And you know, I, I got my, I got my scan gun came in a few weeks ago, and I. I got me a little spreadsheet here on the truck on a clipboard that I check about 15 or 18 components around every day after, you know, you said that's the most, the tool you use most when you take your road trips is that, is that heat gun. And I, and I'm checking them. So it's really, it's really cool with such a simple three minutes of shooting and writing down temperatures. You can see trend lines. I mean, I got it on, I got it on paper. I can, it's, Mm. it's such an easy tool to use. And even, even easier than using the air gauge on the tires. Oh, much easier. Tires and get a consistency on them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you can see it now that you're doing it, you know, how fast you would spot any kind of a problem. Right. Right. It would Mm -hmm. be so obvious to you that something changed and, and went wrong. Yeah, I'm glad to be using that. Excellent. All right. Good stuff. Call you back in a few weeks. Sounds good. I will look forward to it. We are going to wrap this up, and we are going to be back in just minutes with the Becketts and Rolling Toe. In fact, let me let them know that they, uh, they can get their show up and running. So don't go away. We will be back. It takes less than five minutes for us to make this handoff here. Um, and then remember at, uh, oh, well, within 15 minutes after the Beckett's end, we'll be switching over to um, Twitter, X, Spaces, whatever we're going to be calling that. Um, hopefully I've got the audio issue fixed, but I'm not confident that I do. We'll see. So you might want to plan to come over to Twitter if you have both apps today. Um, not confident that I got it. We'll be back tomorrow uh, with the free-for-all and trucking technology and efficiency as well. Be safe. 
be profitable, be fit and healthy, always do the hard work and master the journey.